Good evening. I want you to try and picture this. You're out on a boat. I'm sorry. How's that? You're out on a boat, on the sea, and you're fishing. You enjoy fishing. For some of you, it might be a little bit harder to picture that you enjoy fishing. But you're sitting there, and, and you're, you're enjoying your fishing, and then all of a sudden, a great windstorm comes up. Like Cyclone Tracy, for instance. Big storm with 240 kilometre an hour winds, and it's a category storm, a category four storm, and you're trying to fish away. I can't picture it, can you? Even big boats like that one get washed up on the shore. Or only a couple of years ago, Cyclone Yasi with its 285 kilometre an hour winds whipped up big boats onto the shore and even um, folded sugar mill um, chimney stacks in half. Just incredible. Incredible amount of wind. And you couldn't even picture yourself fishing in it and sitting in a boat, let alone be sleeping in the back of the boat. And we find Jesus sleeping in the back of the boat, in the middle of a storm, in the middle of a hurricane, I'm going to read it out again. We'll we'll go from verse 35 to 38. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. I don't know about you, but I get seasick pretty easily. It doesn't take much for the boat to rock around or for someone else to get sick, for me to get sick. And I certainly couldn't sleep in the boat like Jesus was doing, let alone a boat like this one, about eight metres long and three metres wide in waves that were already breaking into the boat so that the boat was filling up. Now, it's not a very big boat by any means, is it? No wonder the disciples were afraid. Ian, can I tilt this some more to stop it picking up my breathing? How's that? All right. Now... Just to, to try and get you into the picture a little bit more, a bit of geography. Everyone loves geography, right? <laughs> the Sea of Galilee is in Israel. Now, Jesus did most of his ministry around the Sea of Galilee. It's, it's only about 21 kilometres long and 13 kilometres wide. So it's not a huge piece of, of, um, of ocean, so to speak. But what makes it whip up storms is, is the fact that it's surrounded by mountains and it's just like a big hole in the ground. It's 212 metres below sea level. 
and the winds would come across the desert, up over the hills and down into the hollow of, of the Sea of Galilee and whip up storms within an instant. And they could catch off guard most of the, most of the fishermen, um, most of the boatmen that, that would be on the sea. And that's what we find here, is the disciples in the middle of this small piece of water, fearing for their lives with waves higher than the boat and um, Jesus is sleeping in the back of the boat. It wouldn't matter if you were 200 metres or 2 kilometres away from shore. If you had waves higher than the boat, it would certainly, certainly mean, you know, possible death. Let's read on from verse 38. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who is this? Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? I'm terrible in the morning. I, I am a morning person, but I'm flat out getting a coffee ready for myself when I first wake up, let alone calming a windstorm. But there's a couple of things that we can, we can gather here from, from this story. Jesus' humanity is on display. You know that whole concept of 100% man, 100% God, and makes 200%, which doesn't compute? Jesus' humanity is on display in the fact that he was tired. He was sleeping. He's not just a ghost and doesn't need sleep. He does need his sleep. And he'd been teaching all day, probably followed around by multitudes of people. And that makes you tired. Duncan and I went to a, a conference on Friday and um, it started at about 9 o'clock. We had morning tea at 10.30, lunchtime and afternoon tea and it finished at about 4 o'clock. And by the end of the day, after sitting and listening and concentrating all day, I was reasonably tired. I can't imagine how the, the teacher would have felt after um, teaching all day. I'd imagine he would have been, been quite tired. So you can see that after the time of, of teaching and being followed around by crowds, Jesus probably just wanted to get across the lake and um, have some time to himself, catch up on a few winks. And um, and just yeah, get some sleep. Um, but greater than the humanity of Jesus is the divinity of Jesus that's on display. He wakes up and he rebukes the wind and the waves. Have you ever stilled a storm or um, calmed the sea at all? 
Uh, it's, it's kind of the only thing that, that people like Jesus and God can do. And you can picture the words being said really sternly, like all the paintings, the old paintings that you see with Jesus calming the storm. Grant, they've got their hands up in the air, haven't they? Grant and I were discussing this at, at lunchtime. And you can think of it as, Peace, be still. But I don't know whether that's the case. I reckon it might have been said probably um, pretty, pretty calmly. It would have been said, just peace, be still. With, with still such an authority that it comes from the word of God, the mouth of God, and yet not asking politely, not, not just saying, can you please be still? but with such an authority that comes from God alone. I reckon it would have been quite eerie how calm it would have been. You think about 240 kilometre hour winds or 285 kilometre hour winds. It would sound like a freight train just whistling through your house or your boat, wherever you might be. But for it to just stop suddenly... For Mark to say that there's, there was a great calm must have meant that there was a great calm, obviously. But it would have been quite eerie for it to just stop instantly. I'm going to read from, from Psalm 89. And again, it's the testament of Jesus being the Son of God. The fact that he can still a storm in this way is, um, is just testament to him being God. O Lord God of hosts, who is mighty as you are, O Lord? With your faithfulness all around you, you rule, rule the raging of the sea. When its waves rise, you still them. sometimes wondered why Jesus never walked around and, and said, I'm God, follow me, just believe in me. But if he did that, imagine the shallowness of people's faith that would follow him around. He would have been way more popular and he would have had a lot of people believing in him, but the depth of their faith would have been quite shallow. Instead of doing that, he lets his actions speak louder than his words. I could say, I am Dale Buchanan, but for me to act like Dale Buchanan proves that I am Dale Buchanan. And Jesus does the same sort of thing. Instead of saying, I am God, he does and says the things that God does and says and proves that he is God. Can you see the link between Jesus stilling the storm with his words and God, the creator, in Genesis chapter 1, just speaking the word and animals, people, the earth comes into being? 
And now not only does, does Jesus rebuke the wind and the waves, but he also questions the disciples about, about their fear and their lack of faith. A little bit of audience participation. What sort of things spring to mind when you think of the opposite of faith? Doubt, fear, worry, disbelief, untrustworthiness. That'll probably be one of the words on the spelling bee show next, next week. But certainly these sort of words conjure up fear, doubt. And Jesus questions them for their lack of faith. How come you guys can't see that I am God, that I am with you, and that you haven't put your faith in me? I mean, the disciples have been following him around for the last three and a bit chapters, which is however long. Let's say, even if it's 12 months or three years, They've seen and heard the things that, that Jesus has taught. Um, they've seen him heal lepers and men with, with withered hands and seen him do many things that are beyond human capacity. And they're still thinking, in the middle of this storm, Jesus is sleeping on the, on the cushion and we're going to die. Jesus says to them, how come you still don't believe in me? When for the last however long you've been following me around and the secrets of the kingdom of God have been progressively revealed to you day by day. I want to ask you tonight, how often are we like the disciples? How often do we find ourselves in the middle of, of, of a, a tough time, a metaphorical storm, and say things like, Teacher, don't you care that we are perishing? Or perhaps it's more like in today's speak, God, don't you care that I'm having a rough time? Because we can certainly find ourselves in the middle of storms, metaphorical storms such as going through difficulties in our marriage or health issues or losing a job, having a rough time at school, being bullied. Um, and these things can, can feel like waves that are this high, swamping us. They can feel like just there's no light at the end of the tunnel. They can feel like there's no way out. And we can sometimes say, God, don't you care? I want you to see tonight that out of this story we, we know that God does care. Jesus was there with them in the middle of the storm for, for a start. He allowed the storm to happen. And the purpose of the storm was to reveal his glory to reveal his glory and to reveal who he was 
and who he said he was. And if you remember the very first verse that we read out tonight, it was his idea to go across to the other side of the lake. But even better than that, I want you to realise that that God does care about you and me right now. Because if he didn't care, he'd remain a far-off, distant God. If he didn't care, he wouldn't have come to the earth as a man for the sole purpose of bringing us back to God. For the sole purpose of, of seeing that we were perishing in our sin and subject to death and he he answers our cries for help by stretching out his arms and saying yes I do care I do care that you are perishing I do care that you are dying and I'm willing to to take that for you And a couple of things that I want you to glean from tonight, from tonight's story, is that we need to kind of change our mindset and our thinking from from seeing hard circumstances, from seeing tough tough times as as being so overwhelming, and recognizing that Jesus has has taken all that away. He's He's taken away the power of sin and death over our lives. Even though he hasn't taken away the tough times and the struggles that we may have, he's done, done away with the greater thing that, um, that really causes us to perish. And the purpose of, of having our mindset changed from, from being focused on the things that are, are really affecting us to, to being focused on eternal things is, is so that we can experience a peace, experience a peace and a joy in our lives that, that only Jesus brings, that will allow us to be able to sleep on a cushion in the middle of a storm. And then that will shine a light to others around us as well. It will shine a light into, into other people's lives and, um, and just help them to, to be able to see or, or make them ask the question, how come you can handle these sort of tough situations in your life without even battering an eyelid? Have you ever had someone ask you that? How can you go through a tough situation like that and still remain joyful, still remain on top of things? And your answer should be, it's the peace that comes from from knowing God, from knowing Jesus, that allows me to, to withstand hard times. It's the Spirit of God that fills my life with peace and patience, long-suffering and joy, some of the fruits of the Spirit. If they weren't fruits of the Spirit, they wouldn't be in there. Long-suffering enables us to, to suffer 
for a long time, but <laughs> but we don't want to don't want to suffer for a long time. Enables us to to handle the suffering of a long time. And the one thing that I want you to to see tonight is that clear enough? Not really. It's from Second Corinthians chapter four. If you turn there really quickly from verse four, uh, 16 through to 18, it's something that I've, that I've really seen over the last couple of days that, that has just helped me with this sermon but also helped me change my mindset from, from things that are temporary. Verse 16, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Let me read that again. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. The things that we see around us right now are transient. They will pass away. But the things that are unseen right now are eternal. They will last forever. I don't want you to, to think tonight that, that if you are going through a rough time that I'm standing up here and, and saying to you, suck it up, princess. I want you to know that, that I know what it's like to go through rough times. I, wanna, to feel empath- I want to feel empathy for you. But beyond that, I'd love to to be able to pray for you. To not not make the hard times go away because the hard times is what increases and stretches our faith. But I'd love to pray with you and and ask God that he would give you the peace and the long-suffering that only comes from him. So after the service, if you, if you want to grab my shirt sleeve or Pastor Duncan or Mr Greg who's not here, anyone, grab anyone and sit down and chat with them afterwards and, and say, look, I'm, I'm having a rough time. Can you pray with me? I'd really love to do that with you. Let's pray now. Lord God, I thank you for the story of Jesus. I thank you for the, the love and the mercy that comes with, with your entering into the, the human realm and yet still holding on to your divinity. Lord, thank you for the, the story of the storm in Jesus and the disciples' life and, and the way that it shows to us who you really were. Lord, for the, the hard times and the, the rough patches that we're going through right now, 
that some of us may be going through. Lord, I pray that you would give us your peace. Give us your joy. Strengthen our faith to know that it is that is God Almighty that has cared enough about us to, to take away the power of sin and death. Lord, I pray that, um, that you would just ever fill our lives with your joy, your peace, your patience and your long-suffering. I pray these things in your name. Amen.